I I have some regretful news. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our our one of our favorites uh, members of the Roxy Fever, uh, what's the name? Uh, Rogues Gallery sure. uh, has not responded yet. I was really hoping he may still show up at the last minute, like he did last time. I, I sent him a list of questions about uh, this uh, a certain playoff series that yeah. we may be discussing today. <laughs> uh, I I I wish uh, I didn't get the dates wrong. I I forgot that we were uh, recording this episode today and not tomorrow. Right. Um, my that was my mistake. Because uh, uh, we know he's online, so we know he's gonna see. Like he's looking at his DMs. Yep. Um, and we know he responds to mine. So. Yes. Yeah. It might be worth mentioning that you're talking about Dustin Penner because you didn't actually say the well, name yeah, Dustin I, Penner. I, I mean, so, I knew what you meant, but you would have had to know. Yeah, I I realized that I I planned on like announcing his name and then I just forgot. <laughs> like, well, I see, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt, and I was kind of hoping you were building to it. I also thought yeah, maybe, but that's, then that's it, nice of you, man. But then but... it got to a point where it was like, no, he's not going to. Yeah, you'd also <laughs> the only way you'd know for sure who you were talking about is <laughs> if also you if you to listen it. to that like inaudible episode that we recorded with Georgia Twist. So, all yeah. right. This has been one of the most unusual, most curious playoff games I've ever seen, and it gets curiouser and curiouser. Danny Sabarin has led the Vancouver Canucks out and will be playing goal to start overtime. Roberto Luongo is not at the bench. He's nowhere to be seen. He finished the third period. He's had a spectacular night, stopping 46 of 47 shots. And Danny Sabarin takes over. And Dave Nonis looks incredulous. As though he doesn't know what's going on. And Luongo's not on the bench, so it's not as if he's uh, uh, got a minor problem. Marcus Naslin did come out early and was speaking with the referee as though he might be trying to buy some time. They left the door open by the Vancouver bench. And you can see that there's still staff in there, perhaps waiting for Luongo to return. Dehydrated, maybe? I suppose it's possible there's something going on, but it what's going on at the bench indicates to me, Harry, that Luongo is coming back. Greetings, subscribers. Uh, it's your Heritage Minute for the month. Yeah, yeah. I I just want to just like mention, just in case you didn't, you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Dustin Penner like responded to our DMs uh, in in one episode, like literally during an episode one. Yes, that's right. Uh, and he said he would get back to us with more stories about the Canucks and like his time playing against the Canucks. And he falsely said that, yeah, it was fun to sweep them. Uh, they He never swept us with any team that he played against us. No, with, so. but he came close. No, he came close. Yeah, very he came close, close we, twice. We were not competitive. Yes. The first time, well, the more well-known of the two times, but not the first time, was with the 2012 king's eventual stanley cup winning team but he also nearly swept the canucks a second time or rather i guess a first time <laughs> but whatever <laughs> um which was in 2007 with the anaheim ducks which is the series we're going to be talking about today more specifically we're going to be talking about the game in which the canucks were eliminated from the 2007 playoffs and the incident that preceded it which was i think 
the Yannick Hansen hit. The, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the best way of putting it is just Luongo had the squirts. That's that's what it was. That's what he referred to it as. But before we get to the incident <laughs> itself, um, what do you guys remember about the uh, the 2007 series against the Ducks? I remember being really jacked up after that Dallas series. Um, it was the first time the Canucks had been in the playoffs since 2004, uh, yeah. since we got eliminated by the Flames. Uh, we had a few good years there. It was the West Coast Express era. Getting in the playoffs was super exciting. Um, and uh, we beat Dallas. It, like I was pretty scared of Dallas in the first round. And it took till seven games. Like it kind of gets remembered as like kind of an easy series, but no, it was very difficult. And uh, yeah, I went in with a lot now, of confidence. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard fought. Yeah, the Dallas series also was the Dallas series with the extremely long overtime game, right? Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which I believe is the Canucks' longest yes. uh, overtime game, but I could be wrong. Oh no, it absolutely. I'm, it's I'm not sure only it is. is it not only is it the Canucks' longest overtime game it's one of the longest games in history oh for sure it's it's something like the fourth longest game that sounds about right yeah yeah Yeah. that uh this particular era of canucks hockey is honestly i don't want to say it's my favorite but whenever i read about it i just get that warm like nostalgia feeling that like i rarely i rarely get from anything else i think it's largely because this particular iteration just like it hits two different waves of nostalgia if that makes sense it's like first there's the nostalgia for the west coast express era because you've still got a a big chunk of that team is still like left over with uh nasland and morrison and oland and then you also get the like 2011 nostalgia because the Sidians were coming into their own Burroughs and Kessler were starting to become pieces of this team. I thought you were going to say pieces of shit. <laughs> also that, uh, BXA guys like that. And then you also get that like fun sort of like, Oh, Hey, remember that guy guys, which we'll definitely be getting into as, uh, as time goes on. But yeah, this, uh, this, I remember not so much the, not so much the Ducks series because I remember thinking like, oof, that's a tough matchup for us when it happened because that team was very good. Obviously, they were good because yep. they went on to win the Stanley Cup. But I remember going into yeah, the- we had no match for Travis for con for uh you know playoff performances of Travis Mullen. Yes, and uh, Sammy yeah. Paulson. Sammy Paulson, who's also uh, a member of this guy, but for the Canucks. Yes. Um. Wait, 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 wait. Say what? Did Sammy he play Paulson. for? Did he play for the Canucks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was oh like gosh. one of the last ditch, uh, like yeah. rentals that Gillis tried to pick up in like twenty thirteen. I think twenty twelve. Maybe. Oh my gosh, was that was that like yeah. that series? Or I guess twenty twelve. I feel LA, like he was but... traded for Derek Roy. I could t- oh, definitely see so that. Rough. Like it was that sort of era. Like it, it was the absolute in- like death knells of the 2011 team yeah exactly so Derek roy for some reason leaves such a bad taste in my mouth because i sincerely thought getting a guy like him would change the canucks and it really is like entering a relationship that you're like this will be this will be different <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah that that really just didn't work out 
I, I feel kind of bad for Mike Gillis in that sense because like that trade trade made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Like it was like oh trade like a a B plus prospect for a guy who is not that far removed from being like a first line player, and it just absolutely fucked them. Like they just completely it, like, it didn't work Sammy out Paulson, yeah, at like all. A, no, not Sammy Paulson, good, Derek Roy. Oh, oh yeah, my bad. Um, uh, but getting a center who can fill up that bottom six is like pretty important, and we'd lost Manny Malotra. Yeah, no, for so. sure. And and yep. he, uh, you know, he also like he could also play wing and be like the other winger on the Kessler line. Like it, it, it made perfect sense. It just he just came here and sucked. So. Yeah. That's one of those things here to where suck. <laughs> that's one of those things where it's hard to blame anyone because yeah. It's it's just like, well, yeah, you thought he was going to be good and then he just didn't show up. So it's not like you you had limited control over it. But anyways, I don't want to I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. Um this whole fucking episode is down a the Sammy hole. Paulson rabbit hole. It it is, but there's more <laughs> interesting rabbit holes to go down. I remember specifically I was this so many guys well yes but i was what i was gonna say is i remember this year specifically like this sort of mini little playoff run being really excited about it because i was 14 i actually turned 14 like during the course of the run oh i thought you're gonna say while luongo was on the toilet no but (laughs) but not too far off um and it was like one of the first years where i felt like i knew enough about what was going on to actually like to not just be like, oh, like, it's a hockey game that's on. I guess I'll root for the Canucks. It was like, I knew who the individual players were, and, like, I I had right. opinions. Like, I had very, um, uh, they were all bad opinions, obviously, but, like, I actually had opinions instead of just, like, what my dad told me or whatever. And uh, more, most importantly, I remember thinking, for whatever reason, this was really the first time that the Canucks were in the playoffs, and I felt like they could make noise. Because for some reason, I had just internalized throughout the entire West Coast Express era that, like, it wasn't going to happen, you know? I think the only time I really thought maybe they could make some noise was 03 when they lost to Minnesota. And then once the Steve Moore thing happened, I was just like, this team will never be good as long as Todd Bertuzzi is on the team. He's like, this Oof. incident has cursed oh. us forever. Um, uh, I don't hear that. <laughs> but I remember thinking, thinking when this year happened and the Sedins had like kind of they'd had their their good season with Anson Carter and then they moved on to the next season and they were still very good. And there was still like that kind of remnants of the, you know, like Morrison and Naslin had dropped down to the second line and it was like, OK, this is the the nucleus of like a pretty good team. And I actually believed that they could could make some noise and so i was really excited about it and really invested in it and so whenever i think back to to this time i get really nostalgic about it because it's kind of like it's the the, i guess the beginning of my hockey fandom as like a an an adult mature yeah as dumb as that sounds because i was only 14 but like no no i get that too same uh that's when by this time i actually like was uh researching stuff on the internet or like you know being a being a poster and read it, reading all the all the shit on Canucks.com about this team. Uh, another thing that, like, made me confident was that, like, the Bertuzzi trade was, like, a devastating moment for me <laughs> as a child. Like I could see that. 
I I've heard about it on a grade seven graduation uh, trip to a bowling alley, <laughs> and it like like TSN was playing it on TV, and I heard, and I saw it, and I went to the bathroom to go cry. <laughs> Uh, that rocks. <laughs> Swear to God. So I think you've actually touched on. But, uh, you, what, sorry, I, just to interject here, but okay, you've touched okay. on the reason why I believed in this team, and it was that even as a kid, I knew that the reason why the Canucks sucked was Dan Cluche, and so <laughs> once the Canucks got a real goalie, I was like, "This is it. They're finally going to do it because they actually have a goalie." Um, yeah, my cousin had to console me like later on that weekend. He came oh, over man. and like he usually wouldn't come over to like just just him hang out. But I swear I, I have a feeling he only came over to console me because he was like the other family member who actually cared about hockey that much. Sure. Um. But his argument was like, okay, yeah, yes, they they lost Bertuzzi, but they just got a guy who could very well be like a Con Smythe winner, and that was like holy shit. It's true. <laughs> like that that that's what that's what yeah. hit it for me. I was like, oh, we got one of the best players in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Luongo yeah. this season in particular was fucking amazing. Truly, he should have won the Vesna. Probably. Yeah, I was about to say we should talk about that. Like, like it was who uh, Theodore or Brodeur? It was Brodeur that ended up winning. And I remember we looked oh. this up because I don't know what why we were talking about this season, but we were talking about it on the main main feed a while ago. And I brought up how like. How insane it was that Roberto Luongo played 76 games this season. And then we were like, man, it's such horseshit that he didn't win the Vesna. Like, who who won the Vesna? And then we looked it up and it was Brodeur. And then I was like, yeah, how many games did he play? And it turned out he played 78. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, okay, I guess this era of hockey was just nuts. But yeah. Maybe not even this era. It was just Luongo and Brodeur. Yeah, like fair that. enough. But it, but that was still considered like acceptable. The water in the goal in like the locker room for goalies in Montreal or whatever, yeah, or, like that camp was just in- insane for for years and years. It's true. Um, yeah, I, I can't name another Montrealer or like Quebec Quebecer goaltender uh, right now. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like, but yeah, it was like, oh, they're a goalie factory. Theodore Brodeur, yeah, Luongo. Absolutely. Uh, there's a few yep. others. No, I, I I just remember thinking like, wow, this guy's unstoppable. And it, it really it was really apparent too because this team was not that good. Uh, like they they no. they had strengths, but no. they they played people forget this because Elaine Vigneault became uh so synonymous with the like jerk puck kind of analytics driven era of Canucks hockey but his first two seasons behind the bench and this was his first season behind the bench uh the Canucks played the trap like their whole thing was just let Luongo get pelted and then hope that the Sedins and like maybe Nasland can score timely goals do something and you yeah. can win that way and I remember in 0506 and from 0506 to 0708 I just remember the Canucks being in so many one goal games. Their 2-1 right. was every game. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. always were up or down by 2-1. That was the uh, opposite it, it, of the West Coast like a, Express era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which uh which like I was happy with because we were winning more games than then. 
and it was like a it was a bit more confidence. Like I remember Luongo was the first goalie that we had that if a shot went in, I wouldn't wince. Or if a shot like went through, yeah, uh, right. or like was going towards the goalie, I wouldn't wince. With Kluche, I would like imagine this whole series was oh Kluche Jesus Christ against, against Turco. Yeah, they wouldn't have they yeah. wouldn't have made it past Dallas with Kluche. In no, there. no, no, no way. Uh, Kluche could not handle that seventy two game one. No, absolutely. No. Sorry, seventy two no, shot be game one retired. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so before we get into the the actual incident at hand, um, I just wanted to set the stage here a little bit by just taking a quick look at the rosters here. Just as a as a side note to like that series against Dallas might be my favorite series in Canucks history, which I know is like Whoa. A little Hot bit take. blasphemous because hmm. there's so many like other series that like meant more, but just in terms of my personal enjoyment and investment, it's just the series that I that it is like the closest to my heart. Like when I think about watching the Canucks play in the playoffs, that's the series I think about because I remember on my 14th birthday, the Canucks played a game against the against the stars and this was like right before I um this was right before I moved to Parksville and went to high school there and it was I I did like one year of high school in Nanaimo and actually Chris Faber from uh, Canucks conversation was one of my classmates there um right. and uh like I fucking hated it and I, I hated like that entire period of my life from like 9 to 14 when I was living in Nanaimo um, probably because I was living in Nanaimo, which was terrible. It wasn't you, Chris. But you. no, no, Chris was actually, <laughs> Chris could, I, I don't know how much Chris remembers about that period, but like I used to get bullied pretty incessantly and Chris was like the only guy who didn't bully me. So, uh, solidarity forever with, uh, with that guy. Um, nice. he rules. Um, but yeah, so I remember on, on my 14th birthday, I just, I'd hit that age where I was like, I hate everyone. Birthdays are gay. I like <laughs> it it's dumb to it's dumb to do. That's that's 14-year-old Jackson speaking, not not current day Jackson. Um and uh you know like I don't want to do anything cuz it's lame. So I just like spent my birthday by myself watching the Canucks game and then my mom right. brought me home a like Canucks themed ice cream cake from oh, fuck yeah. from Dairy Queen with like really oh. really good like oh. like a perfect orca like whoever did did the fucking art for it like nailed it they did such a good job and so i just like ordered a pizza and ate like half an ice cream cake and like watched this get watched like one of the <laughs> stars games so that is bliss yeah it was it, <laughs> so seriously is, bliss yeah yeah so whenever i think about <laughs> like i would never celebrate my birthday like going out if a playoff game was on with the Canucks, yeah, yeah I, I, exactly. I just would postpone. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, no, it was it was wonderful. Like so, whenever I think about, I just have very, I have very warm feelings for this particular era because I think it was like the only real time in my life where hockey was like an actual like solace for me. Which a lot right. of people, a lot of people talk about that. They talk about it being their escape or whatever, and it's like it never has been for me except during this like brief period of time. So, anyways, yeah. uh, I, we could go on about you know the we could go on about the the Dallas series forever. Like, if you weren't a fan back then, 
just go back and like watch highlights and shit. It was so much fun. Uh, can't can't speak highly enough of it. But what I want to do here I, is I, I was gonna I was oh, just yeah. gonna quickly add when we were talking about like there wasn't like there's nobody on this team save save for a few people, but I just remembered uh, the uh, Canucks delight. What was it? What was the name of that that uh, music video? Do you guys know what I'm talking uh, about? The one where it's like a jib jab style. Uh, it's it's set to no, rappers delight. I don't like, remember I'm that. Boule, I'm Boule, I'm Boule, Boule, Boulis, and I'm here, and I'm there, and I'm <laughs> no. the B, and I'm everywhere. You you know this one? I don't know. I don't no, remember that one. Like <laughs> we got to do our it's, own. It was super famous. Another great heritage moment would be like a retrospective of the Canucks parody song. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes, I, I was going to say that. Recite, I could recite most of uh, Heavy Eric's tunes for sure. Also. Fans, if you're listening, and man, if you're if you're like, I hope somebody who does the Patreon uh, remembers this. But there's one song that I think I played on, you know, 980 or whatever the sports channel was back then. That was like a song about Johan Hedberg. Yep. And it, it just, I just remember it said, and it's Johan Hedberg at some point, and yep. <laughs> I can't, I can't find. I've that never shit. been able and to I, find I, it. I, All I remember from I, that I, song I, is. <laughs> Even the coach will take a shot at you when you're Johan Hedberg. <laughs> That's what I remember from it. But it was, it was, uh, it is burned into my brain forever. It's my white whale. Like if I could ever find yeah, that song, I will. Yeah, I would, I would lose my mind. But anyways, let's go through the rosters here. Do you guys want to go through the Please. Canucks roster first? Because I want to go through both teams rosters because they're both. Yes. Um, they're both. Elliot, fun. what do you think? Let's quickly go through the Ducks. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll do. Because I think the Canucks will be more of a payoff. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, right. um, the it, well, the first thing that that sticks out about this team for me, anyways, is maybe like one of the more nondescript first line centers in Stanley Cup winner history. Um, Andy McDonald. Andy McDonald. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, forgot yeah. about him, but he had a few like pretty amazing seasons with the Ducks. Um, totally riding shotgun with Timu Solani because right. he uh I, I looked him up and like two years later he was playing with the St. Louis Blues and getting like fifty points. But this year <laughs> he had seventy eight and the year before he had eighty four. So pretty pretty impressive stuff. The other thing that, that strikes me is is that like uh this team I think people forget how good it was. No, I remember it as like the just the one time a team just loaded up and I know it wasn't at yeah. the deadline or anything, but just like in general, picked a bunch of guys up. Yeah, and it was as, as soon as Prong as soon as Pronger uh, joined the Ducks. Yeah, I forget that was a trade, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, after yes. Edmonton, yep. oh yeah, this is the year right after Edmonton went to the finals. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this is a huge story for a can- huge Canadian player. Yes, Canadian absolutely. Player. And it was just like fuck Pronger and Niedermeyer, like the two. The two genders, the two types of defensemen. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Another like thing that that like one thing that illustrates how good they were: eight players over forty points. Pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. uh, Solani, McDonald, Niedermeyer, Kunitz, Pronger, Getzlaff, mm. Penner, and Corey Perry. Um, Holy shit! Another thing is maybe like this has to be one of the best first pairings in NHL history. Um, yeah. Scott Niedermeyer, yeah. 69 points in 79 games. Chris Pronger, 59 points in 66 games. Like two near point per Jesus. game defensemen. Um, and then yeah. their next best defenseman was Francois, Francois Beauchemin. 
who was like who I did not know that he was on that team. Yeah, it's he went so easy on to, to stay on the Ducks forever, right? Yeah, he popped over to Toronto for a year, but yeah, he was like with the Ducks for a long time. As we alluded to already, Sam, Sammy Paulson was also on this team. This is so random. Sorry, this is so random. But I remember one time uh, after the Ducks won, yeah. uh, my parents were like, they had a shop in Chilliwack and there's a mall over there. And Brian Burke came to Chilliwack for some reason to like have the Stanley Cup shown there. Uh, and there's a photo of like my mom and somebody uh, with the cup. And I swear to God, it was Sammy Paulson. And I just remember being like, oh, my God, Mom, you got a photo with Sammy Paulson. She's like, no, that's just like a white woman who works with us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so funny. She, she looked spitting image of him. That's really funny. Um, some other There's some other Roxy Fever favorites on this team. Would you believe it was his rookie year? Shane O'Brien played 62 games <laughs> for the Ducks. Uh, oh, my God. No. Oh, beauty. Uh Thank you. Star, one of, uh, well, we'll call him the star of uh, Ice Guardians, Todd Fedorik, played 10 <laughs> games. Uh, another star of of uh, Ice Guardians, George Peros, also yeah, played, yeah, uh, sure. played, appeared in 32 games. Aaron Rome played one game for the Ducks this oh, year. Oh, my goodness. And what? Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rome, one game. Uh, he, I'm assuming he like <laughs> probably he must have been close to his rook, uh, rookie year. Um, and then yeah. a personal favorite of mine, uh, Ryan Shannon, played 53. Okay, games. okay so he played for us like uh, 2000, kind of 10, maybe. Yeah, something like right? that. Like like yeah. somewhere between somewhere between 2008 and and 2010. Yeah. Uh, like one of those seasons, yeah, the hit or miss, that hit or miss years. Yeah, exactly. Really, um, who knows what was going? I on there. I wrote. I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I wrote an article once um, back in the day for for like one Canuck when I was writing for Jeremy's website that was just about like the best goals scored by nobodies, assisted by the Sidians. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Ryan Shannon, uh, his goal was beautiful, and also. I just remember, like, he was so good, but he was just, he was one of those players who was just like, he was in the league a little bit before his time, you know? And he had, right. like, a couple of, of what, sort of one and done seasons. Like, he had a really good season in Ottawa, I think. And he was just, like, one of those, like, small, fast, skilled players that just, like, was a little bit ahead of the game. I think if he played today, he'd be, he'd probably be quite good. But, um, uh, last but not least, the backup goaltender. For the Ducks, do you guys remember who this was in 2007? Uh, uh, could you give a hint? Please? Yeah, you got his name wrong the other day. <laughs> I got like a pronounced like you no like you one. thought he was Sergei Bobrovsky, <laughs> but he wasn't. <laughs> Not Brzezgalov. Yeah, Ilya Brzezgalov. Yep. Oh wow. Yeah, Ilya Brzezgalov actually played a couple playoff games for them uh, during this run too. Oh, get out, Ilya Brzezgalov. Oh. One of the great characters of NHL history. If we had been doing this podcast five years ago, we we probably would have been one of those insufferable podcasts making constant Ilya Brzezgalov jokes. Yeah, yeah, because we he said rocks. That why you have to be mad so many times. Oh, absolutely. Um, his whole like the puck bunnies still have like is only game. Why you have to be yeah, mad? Exactly. In their intro, like yeah. Okay, my favorite quote by him 
is uh, is not that, but it, it's still from that same documentary. Like, or the that's uh, not from the documentary. That's oh, right, that's just right. a post game interview. But yeah, I, I know yeah, what you're I was just being on the flyers. Yeah, you were gonna yeah. talk about um, you were gonna no, talk let me about say it. let me say the it. no the twenty four seven documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to no before you get get into it. I just wanted to add that we should. Do, do an that. episode on twenty four seven. I'm down. And how it declined because the teams decided to get fucking scared of it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Basically, he's just bragging <laughs> about this beautiful like white dog he has. It's just oh. purebred. <laughs> it's amazing. And he's just like, my dog is like blonde girl. Everybody wants to fuck it. <laughs> it's it's great. You just got you got to look up Ilya Brizgalov, uh, uh, dog. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah. The most, I think the most famous, uh, like, Ilya Brzgalov quote, though, is the one where he talks about the universe. Oh, it's Have you seen yeah, that? The solar system is humongous big. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that, um, that clip was, like, legendary on our hockey. It was, like, it got to a point where it was just the, it was like a circle jerk thing where, like, so people... Tiring people would start would just like make fun of how much people referenced it but it is a legendary clip um yeah. so that's it for the ducks roster now let's check out the canucks roster here which um you know oh, there's one ran- one random thing oh yeah I, I for some reason oh wait wait do we go th- wait do we go through the whole roster or did we no we didn't go through the whole roster i skipped over the guys who oh. weren't that interesting to me but oh. was there anybody you wanted to talk about oh i just remember like i think in like 2001 uh whatever whatever like grade school i was in uh we went to victoria to the legislature um there's actually a really funny cute photo of me at the steps which is like ah, uh, a few years later um <laughs> but uh the ledge like like we were watching like the session and they this spent- has like a fisher price clipboard to observer <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome uh they they were just like we will now do like a moment of silence of respect for the Niedermeyer family or like something like that because they're technically from BC. And I just remember being right. pissed because like I really hated the devils and I, and I <laughs> was about to boo from the, from the gallery <laughs> as a 10 year old <laughs> because of that. I uh, told a teacher. Yeah. Stop me. So that's so funny. <laughs> um, okay. So obviously I'm just going to go through all the all the like good players that aren't interesting first here. Um you've got the the germ of the 2011 team here with Daniel and Henrik uh Kevin Bieksa who like astonishingly had 42 points this year, which I did not remember. I Bieksa feel like Bieksa was an offensive fucker, yeah, man. Yeah, he was no, so he good. was, but I just yeah. didn't remember it happening this early in his career. Like, because he, he got forty-eight points at another point, right? Absolutely, yeah. But I just yeah. did not remember him being like he was the fifth leading scorer on this team. That's crazy, and um, it's just funny to think back because like a a defenseman having forty-two points in like. 20 on the Canucks in like 2016 would have been front page news like it would have just been all anybody talked about and it's just so wacky to think that he had he was over a point per game or over a half point per game this season and it like I don't even really remember it being talked about that much Um, Also, people don't remember BX as an offensive player not really no they don't really think about his goals which is kind of funny because yeah he was like he had 12 goals this season which is pretty impressive for uh for a defenseman and only two less than Sammy Sallow and one less than Matthias Olin, who were also on this team. 
hmm. kind of as a um, Sammy Sala was part of that 2011 team, but Oland kind of more of a West Coast Express guy. Um, Oland missed it by one year. Yeah, it, I, absolutely. I, I get I get yeah. sad about that. He he actually almost played against us uh, because he was playing for Tampa, who went to Game Seven against Boston in the Eastern Finals. Yep, absolutely. Um, if only Tampa won. The uh, they there was also some of the like I rooted against them. <laughs> <laughs> there was also the like West Coast Express guys like Nasland and Morrison. Matt Cook was still on the team. This was just before he was traded for inexplicably for Matt Pettinger. Um, I forgot about that. Or that yeah. he, I forgot that he was on the team still. Uh, Al- Alex Burrows and Ryan Kessler played this year. I think this was this was definitely near the beginning of their careers. I can't remember if it was Kessler's rookie season or not, uh, or even Burrows' rookie season. Burrows, Kessler funnily enough, was in the juniors in '04. Like he was in that crazy World Juniors. Uh, yeah, but but that the, the the thing about those juniors tournaments though was that they like um it's confusing to situate how old they were because like there were 18-year-olds on that team too, right? Yeah, like it yeah, wasn't yeah. just 19-year-olds. So I can't remember if he was an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old that year. But um Burroughs, I remember like looking through the highlights here, um Burroughs scored scored like a really nice goal in uh in this game that we're about to talk about he was the yeah. the one who scored the the lone goal of the game which was really surprising to me cuz i don't like he, he was such a nobody back then you know mm-hmm. yeah it was his first full season then we get into the more kind of the the, the more fun guys uh willie mitchell was on this team brent sopel was on this team edler played 22 games like it's really funny to uh to look back and see like oh hey you know uh, Luke Bourdon and Rick Rippon like made brief appearances this year. Like you can really see the start of a different era of of Canucks hockey. But here's where it gets really fun. So I alluded to the top five scorers already: Henrik, Daniel, Naslin, Morrison, and Bieksa. But number six was a personal favorite of mine: Taylor Pyatt. I could never really get yeah. a read on him. <clears throat> Fair. That's um. That's how you should feel about. Should have felt about. Taylor Pyatt. I thought Taylor Pyatt was amazing because he scored you just lots of he goals. Was pretty. Well, I mean, yeah, but I, <laughs> he also just scored lots of goals in the preseason with the Sidians. And I remember thinking, I remember saying to my dad, like, "Oh, Taylor Pyatt seems good." And my dad was just, just like, completely blew it off. He was like, "That's silly. He's good because he's playing with the Sidians. A fire hydrant <laughs> could play well with the Sidians." And I was like, "He was the third highest." goal scorer though on that team that is true yeah that is weird. and why do you think he was because he probably had like because number one yeah. and number two <laughs> yeah like mates. he probably had 12 uh you know like 12 so he goals just go Naslin? in off his ass no no naslin was number three no naslin was number two. Oh, what I, I remember this is the season that like the sedines like in goal score sorry goals yeah goal scoring marcus naslin was number two points he was number three yes Another classic Sedin line mate that made uh, made an appearance this year, Jan Bulis. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> classic. I will never forget the time that he jumped on a player's back for no reason and got called for penalty. So back when I was like a YouTuber, not yeah. like I was on camera, but I made like compilation videos for the Canucks uh, that I regrettably... Uh, deleted a long time ago. Uh, too bad. But I remember Coward. making a video about like uh, 
the core the core point 1.0 and which is like you know all the best highlights of all the the west coast express core not necessarily just those three players but sure players yeah from that era yeah totally and then yep. and then like that season right before 06 07 it was like all right longo's here new core and it was like a video about the sedines and and also i took like all the highlights from all the other players that had had just signed on to the team sure and i could not find anything cool that bullis did and so that's <laughs> so he he had jumped on another player while he was with montreal so that was his highlight <laughs> this for that this is a thing that he was like known <laughs> yeah. for man yeah. that clip of him can you imagine if they had to make our special rule just for you bullis <laughs> the bullis rule i yeah like the, the um that clip of him jumping on the player's back is, I think, the dumbest thing I have ever witnessed while watching a hockey game. Like, I remember I was only 13 when it happened, but I remembered watching that live and being like, what the f- actual fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, why would you ever do this? Um, That's got to be like one of the great failed experiments in Canucks history like because I remember when he came in people were like oh he's gonna play with the twins he's gonna be like a perfect player to play with the twins and he just like he had like 23 points and he just sucked <laughs> like every time he was on the ice it was just like oh no like just bad offensively bad defensively dangerous at both ends of the ice as my dad would say um <laughs> you gotta get your dad on the show. You yeah, he, you'd probably be fun, honestly. I just pulled up the piggyback clip, and the best part is, I forgot that it was about against Dallas. Oh, that's even Hell funnier. Yeah. yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I couldn't. Oh, re- you know, I, I don't know if we're, we're ever gonna do a episode about the Dallas series, which I think we probably should. Like, yeah, now that depth, we're now that we talked point. about it so much, I kind of want to. Yeah, yeah. At some point, I, uh, you know, who was on that team? Just as a preview of this episode that hasn't come out yet. What? Louis Erickson. Oh, yeah, of course. That was when yeah. Louis Erickson was good, man. Yep. Like, he, that was, he was, he used to be excellent. He used to be the most underrated player in the league. Um, as, as, yeah, that's what people called him. Um, yeah, who else was, who else was on this team that was fun? Jeff Cowan, the Brabarian. I, I got so excited seeing his highlights. That's definitely a, uh, that's definitely that's a heritage minute. A heritage minute. Um, the Cowan had um Cowan had like two really important goals in this series which is weird cuz he like barely ever yeah. scored but he he scored the series opening goal um and he scored the lone game winner in game in 2 game I believe two? Yeah. yeah uh <laughs> Jeff Cowan always a fun guy um just insane looking with that like uh red beard and everything um <laughs> Rory Fitzpatrick. Sne- sneak preview of uh, Rafi Torres for the Canucks. Yes. Um, yeah. All-star. Uh, yeah, near Rory near all-star Rory Fitzpatrick was was on this team as well. A favorite of Vias's Tommy Santala. I, if you're, if you were ever on the CDC forums, like uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. It was like one of the first great posts ever. Of uh, somebody basically just ripped off Chuck Norris jokes, but well, it wasn't not necessarily. They actually made them creatively like related to hockey, um, but basically saying Tommy Santella was a fucking all star. Uh, <laughs> like if he ever missed a net, it's because he was uh, aiming at another net at another rink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like so Chuck Norris jokes uh, for, uh, but for hockey, exactly. for like a hockey exactly. player, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, f- I feel like I vaguely remember that. There was also some guy named Trevor Linden on this team. Um, and uh, Yannick Hansen made his Canucks by, by the way, tr- debut. Yeah. Please, let me finish this. This is, a, this is an important one. And Yannick Hansen made his debut in the series against Dallas. He was called up oh. from the Manitoba and Moose. And they kept him. And they kept him. And I remember at the time, Yannick Hansen has this very, very special place in my heart because Yannick Hansen is the first player that I remember watching their first game and <laughs> being like, and knowing and it was that it was that that player's first game, and he is the like first player that I know I watched his career from beginning to end, and um and he was good like he was immediately one thing that I noticed watching highlights from this era was how slow it all is like everyone seems so slow in how comparison slow the Canucks to now. were <laughs> well yeah <laughs> but the say. Ducks were slow too like it just I don't know but but Hanson was was fast. And I remember noticing that at the time when uh, when he joined the team. But anyways, what were you going to say, Bias? Uh, about sorry, w- sorry, which player r- right before? Oh, Trevor Linden. Oh yeah, uh, Trevor. I was watching some highlights of the Dallas series. I'm sorry to talk about Dallas again, but like Trevor Linden, there are some amazing highlights of Trevor Linden. Like just forechecking, like he's 20 years old again. Uh, so he had an exciting kind of comeback. Uh, that that series. Trevor uh, Linden, a lot of really important goals. Actual clutch player. Yeah, like I don't yeah, believe yeah. in it that much, but my my theory about old Trevor Linden was that he was old and uh, he couldn't like <laughs> he couldn't summon the energy to like be good all the time. But he would he was he would just like use his old man strength in the playoffs because I remember he yeah. scored at least one like one or two really clutch goals in that Dallas series. He, he he showed up in game seven. He yeah. scored he scored one goal. I think he may have scored two or got one goal, one assist. Um just absolute clutch. Yeah. Yeah, my my, my new like favorite thing is to just shit on Trevor Linden because I because he was such a it's bad fun. president. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, it's uh he's like he's like Obama to uh to Benning's like <laughs> to Bunning to Benning's like uh Trump or whatever where it's like yeah one of these guys is objectively worse but but it's way more fun to to make fun of the guy everybody likes cuz everyone gets mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> um anyways, last playoff series for the with the Canucks for Naslin and Linden too. That's true. Yeah. Um, thinking about the end of Naslin's career makes me so sad. Same. Such a fizzle out, like. Truly. Yeah. I would like, and, and just that New York, that New York run he did just, oh, what are you doing? I mean, I was rooting for him. I I understood why, but. No, but he talked about it later and he was like, cause he was supposed to come back the next season and he was just like, oh, I couldn't do it. I lost the passion. Yeah, I don't think he was supposed to try to come back to the Canucks. Or no, like I'm pretty sure he signed a two year deal. Yeah, with New York, and he just didn't come back because he was like, ah, yeah, my heart just wasn't in it anymore. And the subtext was like because I wasn't playing for the Canucks. Um, That's very sad. But anyways, let's let's move on to that's about like 40 minutes of preamble there. So let's move on to the actual (laughs) the actual thing. Don't you love us, folks? Supposed to be about. I mean, truthfully, like. I said when we were talking off mic beforehand, I said to Vias, I was like, oh, I'm also going to read through the 
rosters and he was like that's a great idea we'll get like 40 minutes out of that <laughs> and and uh it, it 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 is a good idea because it's going to make this episode full length because i don't actually think there's that much to talk about with the incident in question but um it is i think probably the quintessential canucks heritage minute just for how weird and how hilarious and how high stakes it was I keep, something that's so easy to forget when people talk about the Roberto Luongo diarrhea incident um, is that this was in an elimination game that yeah. this happened. So in round two, the Canucks yeah. don't make round two a lot. No, it's true. <laughs> they don't. They really don't. Like, and this was, um, you know, the game, the the series was on the line, and Roberto Luongo does not make it out for overtime. Because he, you know, ate some bad Taco Bell or whatever. Um, but I'm, I have an article open up here from the Canuck Way from like forever ago. It says, it says it's from 383 weeks ago. So I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how long that is. Few years. Um, but this was, this was just out of all the articles I found, it gave the best overview. So I'm just gonna read it. Uh, because it gives a kind of a a perfect encapsulation of what exactly happened here. Uh, Vancouver Canucks goaltender Roberto Luongo appeared on CBC's After Hours segment, and he told the story of what happened in Game 5 of 2007's first-round playoff series against the Anaheim Ducks. The game was tied 1-1 after regulation, but when the overtime period began, Luongo failed to emerge. Instead, his backup Danny Sabarin took the ice and ended up tending goal for the Canucks for the first three minutes of overtime. So one of the funniest things that happens when you look up the highlights for this game is there there's just one 30-second clip where there's a different goalie. <laughs> yeah. And because it's a highlight, like they don't acknowledge that yeah. that it's yeah. Danny Sabarin because it sucks I couldn't find the video or I didn't try hard enough, but there's a that video of Dave Nonis looking down from the press box oh yeah chewing can, gum being like what the fuck i can find it for you i've seen it and i'm gonna yeah. include the audio from it at the uh at Beautiful. the beginning of this episode but i feel like you can make half this episode just audio from that game it was anyway, truly insane be because great. no one knew what was happening um and the the when i was doing the research for this episode one of the things that struck me so much is like danny sabarin is a fucking ghost Good luck trying to find out anything about this guy. Really? He he just he was a career backup in an era when like his job was sit on the bench and yeah. and give a really established goalie a break whenever he decides he needs one. So basically like only play on the second half of back-to-backs. Uh, backup goaltending was wacky in this era of hockey. And Danny, do you guys remember the Jamie McLennan video with Longo back when they were in Florida together? No, no. So it's a great video. It's like a TSN like kind of like uh, uh, skit where it just talks about how Jamie McLennan just like has the best time because he plays behind Longo, meaning he only plays one game a month and gets to live in Florida. <laughs> uh, and then that there's rules. like a whole thing about how like uh, Jamie McLennan or. Jamie McLennan tries to kill Luongo at the end. Oh, that's uh, funny. Like, you'll you'll remember it. There's some screen caps of it that I'm sure are burned into your memory. But fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So go yeah. on. So, yeah. uh, Danny Sabrin. Sorry. No. Yeah. Danny Sabrin. Just a total nobody. Like 
in the truest sense of the term. Like when you think back to goalies from this kind of era, like 2000 to 2010 of the Canucks, like Danny Sabrin will be like the seventh guy you think of because he just barely played. So it was wild to see him uh, start the overtime period for the Canucks. Dude, we only know about him because so of it goes the on here. It was presumed that Luongo was experiencing an equipment problem, but was later revealed. But it was revealed later, sorry, following the loss that Luongo was actually experiencing experiencing diarrhea. Um, you can tell this is a Canuck Way article because uh, it hasn't been edited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like reading this and just being like, "Wow, stop using passive voice, bitch!" <laughs> but it does give like uh, the best overview of the details here. So then a quote from Luongo here. I started having stomach problems in the third period, and usually, sometimes, it happens during a game, but they just go away. But once I got back to the locker room, I sat down, and I was fine, and I was just going to let it pass. Once I stood up to get ready to go to the ice, which was three minutes before the intermission ended, I went to the trainer, and I was like, I I can't. I can't. I gotta go. (sighs) That's beautiful. I always wonder how his pads fit there because it's like it's kind of a tight space. So what I really would want Thomas Trance to ask Luongo if we ever (laughs) get the chance is did he sit facing perpendicular? (laughs) Did he keep his – I guess he must have kept his pads on. You probably have to, right? Like, you, yeah. I think you have to. Yeah, there's yeah, actually yeah. there's an article I'm going to reference later called When Nature Calls for a Goalie. And it oh, is okay. literally oh. just an, an entire article where they interview different goalies about like what happens when you have to use the bathroom and you're in your gear. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good question. The the toilet that Vias is referencing here, um, Luongo later like i think in 2013 would infamously tweet um just a picture of the toilet with the caption here's where the magic happened hashtag anaheim hashtag 2007 hashtag squirts (laughs) um uh yeah um so it goes on here canucks captain marcus naslin came onto the ice prior to the start of overtime to speak with the referees to buy some time but the play started without luongo Bill McCree was the referee. He's like, yeah, just go. We'll wait for you. So I'm doing my business, and all of a sudden, I hear the play starting, and I'm in the bathroom. Needless <laughs> to say, I hurried up. So yeah, from from this other article here uh, in Sports Illustrated, there's another good little section here. Nine years ago, during the third period Western Conference semifinals game five against Anaheim, Vancouver Netmeyer, Robert, netminder Roberto Luongo developed, as he describes it today, a little bit of a bellyache. He dismissed the feeling at first, hoping it would disappear in the heat of competition. After all, the Canucks were already down three games to one in the series and needed a road win to stay alive. Trailing one nothing, Luongo saved eight shots in the third period, and Alex Burrows tied the game at the 11:03 mark. Before heading onto the ice for overtime, Luongo felt his bellyache worsen and realized he could, couldn't fight it off much longer. Fortunately, a trainer assured him that the officials wouldn't drop the puck until he returned from the can. I was there doing my business, and I hear the play starting in the arena, Luongo says. So I panicked there. I don't even remember if I wiped. I just put my gear back on, tried to get out there as soon as I could. So Bill McCurry is the villain here? I, I suppose so. Sure. Yeah, he lied. The, all refs, all refs. What do we say? All refs are bastards. Yeah. All refs are bastards. A, a, uh, <coughs> <coughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the initialism has not changed, Vyas. Stop trying to make it work. 
When Luongo reached the bench, he saw that backup Danny Sabrin was in Vancouver's crease. During the next three minutes and 34 seconds, Sabrin stopped five would-be game winners, admirably relieving Luongo after Luongo had relieved himself. <laughs> okay. Could you imagine those three? That must have been the three most nerve-wracking minutes of Danny Sabrin's career. So the funniest thing is I just saw that clip. And the Chiron has Danny Sabrin as having one NHL win up to this point. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, just keep the city alive for... Yeah, totally. In overtime, it'll be fine. I, If I remember correctly, too, like, Luongo had some insane number of saves in this game, too. Yes. And, um... Uh, 58 shots on Luongo, geez, so that's 56 gosh. saves. Yeah, and then geez, another gosh. five by Sabrin. Like yeah. this is after this is after playing like seventy two games that year, right? Seventy six, yeah. Fuck, yeah. and it, it's it, it truly is crazy to think that like for it's it, you could make a movie about this, like especially if the Canucks went on to win the game and like then then it would be really good. But like, I would love a a thirty for thirty on just like this th- three minutes because you know, yeah, and you know what you know what I'd call it, Bill Simmons, listen up. Uh, backed up. <laughs> uh, that's good, actually. Um, and then Luongo says, that's just the way it is with me. Bad stomach. Coffees don't help, but I need those. Sometimes you've got to pay the price. Uh, Luongo would let in the series-winning goal while signaling at the officials for what he thought was a penalty on the play. The elimination was bitter, no question, but it could have been worse in at least one respect. I don't know what happened, Luongo says. Something just came over me. Sometimes it just goes away, right? And your mind gets off it. But this time it wasn't going away. Thank God they didn't score while I was in the bathroom because our season would have been over. That might be a better story, but I don't think it would have been fun. <laughs> I'm really curious what he would have said to Danny after that. Oh, man. After that happened. Like those exchanges? Um, One thing that stuck out to me when I was watching the highlights from this, and the, the guy who wrote the article alluded to it here, but both of the goals that Anaheim scored in this game were complete horse shit mm-hmm. the first one a guy just like like Luongo has the puck and somebody on the docks I can't remember who it is just like pushes him into the net which I very specifically remember being like a fairly recurring thing for Luongo I know um Dustin Bufflin did that in I think either 2009 or 2010 one of those seasons against the Blackhawks and it's just crazy to think back to like how much BS like goaltender interference Luongo had to put up with in that point in yeah. his career for years and years and years. I, I mean, I got kind of memories of Boston watching that uh, over again. Absolutely. Just remembering. Cause I remember the term, maybe I like, I forgot who had said it, but the Anaheim team was really like a bunch of gorillas on skates. Like they, they were Absolutely. brutal. They were tough to play against and, and we didn't have anybody really against them. Willie Mitchell was Willie Mitchell and Bieksa. Yeah, totally. I uh, was like kind of all we had, and unfortunately, Matt Cook was not a fucking murderer uh, <laughs> of a hockey player by then. So yeah, um, and then the the second goal, the game winner, um, was like it was sad because Luongo was trying to signal to the refs to call a penalty, and it is kind of like people gave him shit for letting in that goal, and I understand why because like he was distracted and he shouldn't have been. He should have been like trying to stop the shot that yeah. that came but yeah. like that hit that he was trying to get the penalty on watching it back in retrospect like it was a fucking brutal headshot 
big and it should have been a penalty and like um i don't know man it just looking back on on this stuff like the canucks just fucking they're they just get no help from the officials ever especially in the playoffs like i remember watching those highlights and and i forgot like what minute point that goal was going to happen and i'm just seeing yannick hansen try to get the puck off the boards he was kind of looking down a little bit too much is like one way you could look at it but then just like holy shit what a hit like this guy came out of nowhere it went for his head and and like i was shocked and then the goal happens and so it's like yeah i would also be like what the fuck ref and then get distracted get so distracted that uh and like you barely even see the puck get on net, anyways. No, no, I, I rewatching those highlights. Like I still kind of had no idea where uh, Rod Niedermeyer got it out of. Not no idea, but just you know. No, it's weird. There and and one of the funny things about like up until very recently, hockey hockey broadcasts are funny because you like don't realize at the time the the advances that are made technologically because it happens slowly enough that you don't really notice it um yeah. or when you do notice it it's like intrusive like the ref head cam um and you're just like this is stupid <laughs> but something that looking back on some of these older playoff series i didn't think about that much at the time is just like how relatively few cameras they had so like now yeah. when something happens on the ice there's an angle for it right yeah but in in this instance, or even like the BX Stanchion goal in 2011, yeah, like we still, I still haven't seen that. Yeah, goal. exactly. Right, like <laughs> yeah. the only existing angle of it is the one uh, behind uh, BX Longo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, for that one. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, exactly. And the the with in this case, it's the as you mentioned, uh, Elliot. It's the angle of Luongo. So yeah, it's. Um, it's really weird to to think about that, but there were there used to be so many things that would happen, and you would just be like, "Well, I guess we just have to believe the people who were there and the the play by play guy that it happened, because uh, there's no there's no camera angle for it." But the last thing I just wanted to allude here is, I think we might have brought it up on. I think what ended up happening was we brought it up on the show, and then it was boring, and it took me forever to release the episode, so I cut it. But uh, the Canucks army or the Canucks uh, Twitter March Madness thing that was happening over COVID where they they uh, matched up like people from Canucks Twitter against each other to see who yeah, would totally get more votes. And I got matched up to Francesco Aquilini and he did election interference and I lost. Um, <laughs> but uh, Luongo ended up getting matched up in like a very, very late round against friend of the show, Harmon Dale. Um, from the athletic, and he tweeted something out referencing this incident that was really funny. Um, for those of you that don't know, Harmon is like twenty years old and is a baby, and uh, Luongo just tweeted out ten years ago we were both shitting our pants with the poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> One was in diapers, the other was uh, in the playoffs. My psyche can't take another L. <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, that was beautiful. I totally forgot that happened. That was wonderful. Classic poster. And uh, I think it's it's funny because he was not... It took a long time for Luongo to become well-liked across the league. And even in his own city, I feel like people... Like now, looking back, everybody talks about how much they love Luongo or loved Luongo. But it, 
it just feels like to me, it felt like the entire time he was here, people were trying to run him out of town. And uh, it's a it's a shame Twitter wasn't around earlier because I think if people had known the truth about this incident, it would have uh, it would have really helped rally the troops, you know? Yeah. If uh, if you were a big Luongo fan while he was in his prime in Vancouver, it was like not fun. No. Like you, people people no. really loved to shit on him. It was an easy thing to do, but he is one of the best Canucks of all time. Oh, for yeah. Sure. I mean. Yeah. Who's better than Luongo in Canucks history? Like, I, in terms of careers, like as Canucks, obviously, you know, there's there's a few people you can you can put ahead of them, like Hank and Danny, and and maybe you know Linden or 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 Beret because he was so special. But like, in terms yeah. of having like the peak of his career was was as a Canuck, and I don't know, like. I don't think they should retire his jersey just because I think jersey retirements are dumb. But there's definitely a case for it because he's one of... Well, like they're in the place where now he has a better case than several guys that are up there. Exactly. Yeah. And he's a... Which makes it really awkward. And he was an excellent player and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So any uh, final thoughts on the diarrhea incident? It was... Uh, the image of Luongo collapsing after that goal. Oh man, is stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of the first. Uh, I don't know. It was like a very early memory of, uh, the world is a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly. I just have so many memories of this particular era, like this this series and the series before. I think I mentioned it on another show, but of just like driving home from Nanaimo to Parksville with the radio on in the car being like, I want to get home before, before like the before overtime the winner gets school, gets scored oh, yeah, yeah. because I'd have to leave in the middle of games all the time. Um, Cause it happened twice. It happened during the Dallas game and it happened during this game and probably happened other times too. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still just have a lot of, um, I have a lot of love in my heart for for this era of Canucks hockey, and the 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 craziest thing is going back and watching the highlights, and like it's so stupid, but you watch the highlights and you still like somehow believe that they're gonna do it. <laughs> like you, yeah, it exudes hope. Yeah, yeah, you just you you watch them and you're and you're like, no, they can do it. Like I every be- time I rewatch this one, I'm just like, there's no way that's going. It wait what? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, this was a this was a fun one. Um, this was it was fun it was fun to go back and watch the highlights totally once again remember some guys i uh i really think like from the moment we decided to do these heritage minutes this was the one that i had in mind so mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it lived up to the hype <laughs> yeah definitely interested in hearing from our subscribers about which heritage minutes we should do in the future, especially if it's one like this where you can get an hour of content out of it. So um, I know for this one, I put out a poll on Twitter about what to do. So I don't know how I'm going to decide them in the future, but if there's, if you're paying us five bucks a month and you really want to hear from us on a specific moment from Canucks or just NHL history, yeah, it does not have yeah. to be about this. Drop team. us a line uh, and let us know. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month. Yep, see, see ya. ya.